0: The Healing Life Center is a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation and has the critical mission to strengthen that which God created and values, marriages and the nuclear family. Dr. Gilbert, your host, aims to provide important teaching on tough topics, great interviews and conversations, and tools just for you, all emphasizing a biblical worldview. Join us now with today's feature. Welcome to the Family Futures Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I have the incredible honor to interview fighter pilot Dominique Slice Tyke. So, thank you for coming
1: on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, looking
0: I'm looking forward, forward to this. It. Looking forward to this conversation. i This is yeah. so exciting because you have so much to give us, and you have incredible experience. So, looking forward to hearing your story, and also how how God has worked in your life too. So, tell us a little bit about your yeah. journey. Just kind of that overview.
1: Yeah. Overview was I got the, uh, the itch to fly as a little kid. Mm -hmm. And then as I grew up that, uh, led me down a few different trails uh, through the civilian, uh, world flying there and then eventually um, into the military as a military fighter pilot. And, uh, currently I'm teaching in the, uh, F 16, um, schoolhouse, uh, teaching dudes, a lot of, a lot of young guys that have never, uh, had the chance to fly a fighter jet and they're here and they've worked incredibly hard to get here and we get to, we get to teach them how to do that. Wow. So then you went, did you go into
0: the military later? Not just like, at um, so
1: I, I went through college, um, okay. and then I was a civilian flight instructor for a number of years and I was essentially, um, preparing either to go to the airlines for a career. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time I was also applying to the air force um, to get selected, to go through officer training school. So I didn't take the, um, it, that's probably the, the lowest amount of people. And I'm not saying that I'm special, it's just officer yeah. training school doesn't select, um, a ton of people yep. They most of their, uh, most of the military comes through, um, ROTC. And then the, uh, service academies, you know, the, right. the air force Academy and what is it? West Point And mm-hmm. the, those types of service academies. So neat.
0: So that means you actually, if you were already teaching, so you've been flying since you were younger,
1: yeah i started flying or, when i was 16, 16 actually yeah neat neat
0: yep. uh, and got your pilot's license you said commercially
1: yep so i've got um when i was you have to be 18 to have a commercial pilot mm-hmm. license and to fly for money so i got that when i was 18 <laughs> and then um i worked uh, typically, a lot of guys will build experience and time um, in civilian aviation through flight instruction. So I I went through the flight instructor program okay. and was fortunate to get hired as a flight instructor at 18 while I was going wow. through college. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun. That was a great um, a great job with much more responsibility than you know I, I worked at Subway. <laughs> So it was much more fun than than flipping flipping uh, sub sandwiches down the line at Subway. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's neat. And yeah. when along that path, when did you meet your wife?
1: Yeah, so funny story. I went through, um, got selected to the military, mm-hmm. uh, went through pilot training. I went through instructor pilot training to um, be an instructor in um, the T-38. It's a two seat uh, twin engine supersonic jet that is kind of a stepping stone to get to the fighter community mm. and um i walked in one day and there was an old crusty fighter pilot sitting there and he's like where are we going where are we going on our uh cro- we'd call it a cross country so it was more of just training where we would take off and you know go, maybe go to a different state or something like that and i jokingly said spokane washington and we were in texas at the time um that's that's a decent flight i mean there's uh so basically we he's like all right and we planned it up and uh flew a uh jet into my hometown so I grew up in Spokane mm-hmm. and so I got to see kind of my my hometown from the front seat and uh my cousin um Alyssa she had been bugging me to meet this girl right and I just was <laughs> like there's there's no way and so she showed up at the military base uh with this girl that's my wife and uh yeah the rest is history <laughs>
0: That's awesome, and you guys—you yeah. guys have four kids now, is that right?
1: Yep, yeah, we have four kids. Little, uh, our little buddy just turned a year old the other day. That's awesome. So you're right in the yeah. middle of that, and the o- oldest yeah. is nine. Nine. Yes, yeah, so we got a we got a decent age spread between them. Nice. That's neat. yeah.
0: Now, so you and part of what we're talking about today is you wrote a book, uh, the single seat wisdom. So tell us kind of about this and how this was birthed.
1: Yeah. So the, the, the start of it all was during COVID. Um, I had at this point, I had started a couple of businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them was leading to what we'll call the achievement hamster wheel, which we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. Both were profitable, but um, the real estate business, we kept, we turned that one on and kept that one on. The other one I decided to shut off. It was just too much for the family. Mm -hmm. Um, But, the reason i say that is uh i had prior to writing this book i had already written another book for my real estate investment company um you know i had built websites and i had done a lot laid a lot of the groundwork for um things that you could recycle or just duplicate in in the business world so um now covid hits right and so we we see this class this um class of F-16 students coming through and they're really struggling, um, badly and, um, our, our community, um, because people are social beings, right? We like to be around each other or sometimes not, but we, we do (laughs) like to, uh, you know, be around other humans. We don't want to be locked up on an island by ourselves. Um, and these students were struggling a lot with the different schedules and, um the masking and and just everything right and their program is already difficult and then you add another layer of complexity which is not being able to hang out with their friends um past lessons learned in the traditional uh you know ways that we we do that so the the class is struggling and i um started writing that class a two minute two to three minute message once a week and it took on different forms we called it different things but it morphed into what we call now the competent wingman um and the the um idea behind it was to help fighter pilot students but mm-hmm. then as um i automated that you know so it then it you know it went from just an email that was kind of clunky and it would get better with each class so we were refining our message and seeing what worked and i was talking with the students and going Hey, if, is this helping you? Cuz if it's not, I want to stop doing it. It's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Um and that turned into a blog which turned into the single seat mindset website mm-hmm. um which then turned into um you know, automating the the competent wingman program so um other people can sign up for it and we started seeing I mean, just it was kind of cool. There's there's uh, it was helping so many different people from the commercial airline industry to, I mean, I've, I've had students sign up this morning as we're speaking from um, pilot training in Texas, a base there. And so it's getting shared and it's it's automated. Um, and it's just a short little message once a week um, straight to their email. And then from there, I was like, well, we, we're helping them on that end. What if we you know, I, I was talking with a couple of the older fighter pilots who were getting ready to retire. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of getting to your question of why did we write single seat wisdom is it wasn't just one day I woke up and was like, oh, we're gonna do this. Yeah. Um, it was it was a, a, a lifetime of experiences of business and of doing stuff and taking action that um, kind of sparked this question of, hey, when these guys retire, they're going to go start their own businesses, live their own lives, maybe retire, go to the airlines, what have you, and their stories kind of just fritter away. And a lot of these guys, many of them, most of them are much smarter than me. They're better looking, they're better pilots, and they're really good at telling stories. Mm -hmm. Um, They may be uncomfortable writing, um, but what I did was I sat down one day and I just wrote out all the names. I typed out all the names of the fighter pilots that I knew. And I had a little over 200 names on that list. Wow. And so I messaged 189 of them and I finally got 19 people to commit to write Mm -hmm. one chapter. Um, They're short, punchy, anecdotal stories with a bit of wisdom at the end of it. And it's a fighter pilot spin on life, whether that's perspective, how to how to debrief your day, um, and then you know even you know just other other things that are outside of aviation, but they have a fighter pilot's spin on them, and so we, we call it single seat wisdom. It's the wisdom of fighter pilots, and it's what's cool about it is that single seat mindset. The company we give all the money to a children's um, cancer nonprofit, so we're helping them. We're helping the next generation, mm-hmm. and we're allowing some fighter pilots to put their their lessons on paper. Um, one of them that I'm really excited about in Single Seat Wisdom Volume Two, which hasn't been published as we're recording this, um, is my uh, flight commander from when I was a young fighter pilot. He had um, been um, back in the the Kosovo area era time timeline, so he ended up his jet went through a, a really bad um, catastrophic engine failure, and you'll have to read the book for the story. But it was it was it was cool because he wrote a story in our book and it was many years. I hadn't even talked to him for many years and I reached out to him and his story is, it's really cool. It's, it's a fighter pilot story about, um, just, you know, what do you do when life hands you that kind of, uh, mess and how do you, how do you overcome that? So that's kind of the, the long story to how we got to writing single seat wisdom. It is a series. So like I said, volume two, we're getting ready to publish that. Um, I've already gotten, um, an old crusty F four pilot to sign up for chapter one in volume three. Um, and then I, you know, you and I were chatting before this, but we're writing a book for the eight year old, the 16 year old age group. Um, I haven't figured out what we're going to call it, but it is a, it's a single seat, uh, series book, right? So we're single seat fighter pilots. It, it definitely takes a different mentality and mindset to do that job. And so, um, I'm really excited about that book too what is funny because we've so since we you and i talked
0: earlier this week to the schedule of this i've mentioned you in multiple classes that i teach um to my college students and we've talked about it as a family and then your book came in the mail last yesterday um nice but the idea of that's a whole world i don't understand or even know i've never been down that road and would never be selected to go down that road um i had glasses yeah. too but um So you guys, all of you, it's an elite group of men that do something that we can't even fathom. And to be able to put that down into even just a chapter, how do you achieve such a success? But also, how do you handle such stress that, again, I can't imagine?
1: Well, so this is kind of a primer to how I would um, explain what happened to me in the sense Mm -hmm. that. I don't think that I was born to be a fighter pilot. You know, we, Mm -hmm. we do meet those kind of people in your life where you're, you you meet them and you're like, man, that guy's going to be a professional like baseball player or whatever. He's got the swagger, the the talk, he's, he's humble. He's got it. You know, just what he's wired that way. It doesn't happen very often, believe it or not. So the two personalities that you see are the very, very cocky, arrogant fighter pilot that you can't stand. Mm -hmm. Um, which believe it or not is pretty rare. And the other side of it that you see is the guy that's got it all put together, the Air Force Thunderbirds, right? Um, And then there's this massive chasm between those two personalities, which is most people, and Mm -hmm. that's where I sit, is (laughs) um, I'm not of superior strength. I don't have superior knowledge. I didn't grow up with that. It just, it was one step at a time. And this book for the eight to eight, year old, the 16 year old age group, the framework behind that is if you have the mindset to do something in your life, um, the second piece that I was missing for a lot of years that came um, to me in like little spurts, but I didn't have somebody, I didn't have a guide. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a coach my whole life, but when I did, that's when things really changed. Okay. And so the third piece is action. So I had the mindset and I was taking action, but a lot of my action was the wrong action. I was running down paths and wasting a lot of time. So the point being, um, single seat mindset, the company is to be that coach or the guide. We can't, um, I can't wake you up every morning and pull you off your couch with a victim mindset and motivate you to go do something with your life. Um, But I do see when people are taking action and they're serious, those people are are who we help. And that is, we call them just giving a little bit of, you know, you've probably heard the term all thrust, no vector. I was that guy. I was just ton of thrust. I needed somebody to put some fins on the back of my rocket so that I was going in the right direction. Right. So, I mean, I think there's, there is a perception that, you know, fighter pilots have it all together. and, And I can tell you that that couldn't be further from, from the truth. There are a lot of, um, you know, you mentioned your glasses, um, you can get LASIK, and I even know fighter pilots that have glasses. They wear contacts and they fly. So that's not even a discriminator anymore. Mm-hmm. They've got such, um, yeah. So I mean, now granted, if you're quadriplegic or you're you're blind, um, you know there are some definite like, well, you can't be a fighter pilot if you have that kind of stuff. But you'd be surprised, um, you know, what people can do. And then with our plastic brains, if you're willing to learn, apply yourself, and take. Um, action it's not easy but um i did it (laughs) i i'm here well
0: that's the cool thing is you're really saying and what you're teaching is yes there's a few select few that are kind of just they have it um yeah but there's the majority it is something you have to work for and i like like in the beginning of your book here who this book is for it's not only active and inspiring pilots but parents and children students and athletes business owners coaches sports teams but then who it's not for individuals that lack initiative lazy people (laughs) people that think the world is unfair someone that wants a handout dreamers that don't take action it's like absolutely you fought literally fought for a dream and vision you had from when you were younger how many don't have that at all they're just punching the clock doing their job living their life
1: yep yep and it's a, uh, you know, I, you can get caught up, you can get caught up in that, especially in our culture with all the social media. I mean, if you just, if you just turned social media off for a month and went through like a cleanse, yep. and you weren't getting those, those false dopamine hits every five seconds of your day, um, one. You would at least be more mentally sound and grounded. <laughs> but two, I think you'd probably be surprised at how much you can get done. Um, even if that's um connecting with um you know having some sort of encounter with Jesus or growing in your faith or doing some of those things that our culture does not support and they're not they're not tangible. You can't stick your hands on them. But when you do connect with that stuff, it is man, that's rocket fuel and. It's giving me goosebumps right now because I've had a, I've had some things happen to me in my life um, that were incredibly painful, and a lot of times were my fault. Um, but when you get that stuff straight, that's where, man, that's that's the powerful stuff. And and yeah. you you hit the nail on, on the nugget. Is I, um, so Vince Lombardi, the Green Bay Packers coach, he said, uh, uh, confidence is contagious, and so is lack of confidence. And what I've what I've said because I'm an action taker. Is action is contagious, and so is lack of action. So, mm-hmm. if it's it's using the same construct, if you will, mm-hmm. but um, I find that you can read all of the leadership books in the world that you want. You can you can you can just consume as much information as you want. But really, what it comes down to is taking that first step, right? What do they say? Mm-hmm. A, a journey of five thousand miles starts with the first step, or something along those lines, right? Yeah. So, if you're not taking action. Um, in your life, even if it's wrong action, where are you going to get? Yep. Exactly. What did Jesus say? I think he said, come follow me. Right. As in take the action and start walking. Right. You don't know where we're going, but start. Yep. Yep. Well, tell us
0: about that journey where you've your mistakes that led to encounters that changed you.
1: Yeah. So, um, we'll, we'll start with what I have termed, um, and maybe, maybe it'll take on a different name in the future, but I call it the achievement hamster wheel Mm -hmm. and, um, being an action taker, like I had said before is I had the mindset, um, the times where I found that I, I've, I achieved or got some, some semblance of what I would term as success or I moved forward in life is I had a guide or a coach kind of pushing me along and then I was taking the right action. Well, a lot of my, um, you know, from the outside, somebody could look at it and go, wow, you're successful. Um, the problem with that is I was a high achiever. And and for a, for a lot of years, I didn't define what success was. And then when I did define success um, and I achieved it and I got there, I fell apart. My story was over. And I, you know, call it a midlife crisis, um, what, what have you. Yeah. But, you know, I did I guess what you would call achieve success, but I was in this achievement hamster wheel because I would, I would achieve something, and then I would I would be left no. with this feeling of not enough, yeah. right? And the mm-hmm. thing is, is that that's not a bad feeling to have, but it needs to be for the right thing, right? So I was, what what is this this concept? I think it's a a Greek concept of being. Um, I was free from a lot of things. Um, you know, I had achieved that mindset, but I wasn't free for the right things. So there's this nebulous idea of freedom, and I'm like, well, if you define it, what is it for? And so where we started to get some some footing, uh, and I was standing on solid ground was way before before that. I had you know built a business, and I was a fighter pilot instructor, and you know all of this stuff, right? And I, I was. I had all the material trappings of this world, and we had money and stability. And then I achieved success, is how I would define it, which makes me laugh now in the military, in my career. And when I did, um, you know, I think what's important for somebody that is uh, goal oriented and achievement oriented is what is your next story? Because I didn't define that. And so when I hit the end of my story, I lost my way. And yeah. I was like, "What do I do with my hands?" Um, You know, and I, I, at the time, I did not uh, value in the correct way the family life, so my focus wasn't on that. Um, And more importantly, um, I was not living a Christian life at all. Um, I was the the worst type of lukewarm Catholic uh, Christian man, just going, just checking the box, going to church. you know just not praying and not seeking silence and just going and going and going until i didn't and and it's the the concept of you know like just you got a trash can which is life right we all have our garbage and i was just shoving trash in this trash can and putting the lid on and one day a hand grenade went into it and it blew the lid off um and when my lid blew Um, I remember it like it was yesterday and I'm, I'm grateful that this happened now it was extremely painful when you, you know, the, the, the mind pain, a lot of times I have found is way more painful Mm. and life altering than the physical pain of things. Right. Yes. So. I remember standing, I was getting ready to step out the door to go lead a fighter pilot uh, flight sortie, right? So we're we're teaching some students some new concepts and it's it's one of the more complex uh, missions that they do in their syllabus. And I remember the guy sitting at the desk um, who I still know and who is still a friend and he looked up at us all and it's just a generic question we always ask, but are you guys ready to fly? And I looked at him and I was like, no, I don't know what's wrong. Um, and that was the, probably one of the few times I had, granted a lot of things that happened up to that point for me to be able to admit that I was not right. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what it, what it was, but the next six months was uh, pretty, pretty garbage. <laughs> like it was, you know, curled up in the fetal position, like talking to a counselor and just going, what in the heck, you know, just your mind gets stuck on these, n- whatever, 90 second, loops. Mm -hmm. And my loop was a disaster loop, right? And I just kept playing it over and over in my mind. And I don't even know how I got there. It was a life. It's like, you know, death from a thousand paper cuts, right? Mm. So it wasn't any one thing. It was just life, right? It was extended family. It was working too much. It was, you know, potentially drinking uh, too much. It was flying too much. Like my body was out of shape. Like I was just, I was a train wreck. Um, but I looked from the outside, like I had things together, right. And then I didn't, mm-hmm. um, and I think the important piece for that, you know, that a lot of people will ask is that, is there, is there something you can do to prevent that? Um, and we'll get to that. So that's opening, we'll open that story loop, but like, what could you do to prevent that? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the bigger piece to it is that because I was, I'm such an impatient person, um, <laughs> You know, we're now five, six years after that event. Mm -hmm. And that pain, that, if you want to call it failure, that event, um, that was necessary to get to where we are now. And a lot of the growth and a lot of life's meaning and purpose came from that event. So instead of running away from it, I grabbed onto it and was like, this isn't right. I'm not right. And well, I don't want to live this way. And a lot of people will suppress that like I was doing for many years. Right. And then you got help. Yes. And so that's what the crazy part is that one of the counselors that was just happened to be there in the fighters' garden, he was a, a Lutheran or a Protestant minister. Mm-hmm. And he started pulling a lot of, um, I didn't know it at the time, but he started pulling a lot of like Old Testament stories mm-hmm. and then New Testament stories. But he wasn't beating me over the head with a Bible. Yes. Right. Nice. Um, And then after I started to kind of get back on my feet and I was flying again and life started to kind of pick up again, I started a couple of, um, very deep Bible studies. Mm -hmm. And that actually is what brought me back to the faith and, and kind of like grounded me in it because it made me like, if you read the old Testament without the right teacher, without the right guide. You're like, wow! This is terrible. This is is really bad. And the thing is, is that God was just laying out all of the lessons of what not to do. And guess what? In our broken humanity, we relive those lessons in every generation. Yes. And so it just it kind of was like, well, you know, other people can be broken. You can you can you can break down. That's an event. What do they say? It's an event, not a person. Um, and then you just. Get back on your feet and you and you you start again and you take you take action and and God will eventually, you know, with the right action and prayer and and focus on the right stuff, um, he'll he'll pick you back up. And it was the difference of the achievement hamster wheel of achieving things, mm-hmm. but then you get stuck in this hamster wheel of of trying to achieve more things. Mm-hmm. And then it leveraged into, okay, let me define success. So when I'm taking, when I achieve all these things, I then know when I get success, the problem with that is success is very me oriented. It's very focused on me. I was successful and why that didn't work. And the story loop would stop every time is I hadn't defined the significance of it. I haven't, I didn't define what is the purpose? What's, what's my, you know, what gives me a lot of purpose when I roll out of bed in the morning, even if I feel like garbage, I'm sick, uh, what, what have you, my feet hit the ground and I have some purpose in that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what I think changed the most um, was when we reshifted our focus on <laughs> the kids, my marriage, the businesses meant something bigger than just making money. That's the right. purpose of business is to make money, but why? Why? Yep. And just, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so then tell us about your wife in this season because she's yeah so consistently right there with you. Through all this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm laughing because mm. I I would have left me way <laughs> before she left. <laughs> and she never left me. That's mm. the important piece, is that she never left me. Yeah. And um I think the hard piece for a lot of people that's going through this kind of stuff in their life, um, is it's not fast. And it doesn't like so true. especially when relationships um, you know, what did somebody say? Um, that was, there was a lot of truth in it. Like your family, um, you, start out with trust and that's pretty rare, right? Cause you know, when I met you, the trust is built up, but you don't, you don't know where I'm at. So, cause I'm not your family. Right. So just like God, God, we're in his family, so we can trust him. Right. And it works, uh, with my family, you have trust, but when that, you know, in the military, it's one of the rare professions, especially the more tight knit groups. And I would say probably police officers and and firefighters, they have different dynamics to their groups where they kind of trust people that are there. Um, But what happens when trust is broken? And that's what happened is it it broke and then a lot of people want to just get back to the way it was. But they don't address those issues that are there. And it festers and people live with that their whole life. And so and because they're running away from the pain instead of going well why am i pain like what's pain painful here and how do we fix this so it was it was a step-by-step process it took a long time um you know my wife never nagged me um she was praying for me in the background you know and then by her example Mm -hmm. um i think was a big thing right had she nagged me i think it probably would have gone a different way um but i remember walking out of church um one day and I wasn't in a good place and I remember I, I was a, I'm, I'm a prideful person. <laughs> so I remember walking out and God was kind of like punting me in a different direction, but I <laughs> um, said some expletive words on the church grounds and it wasn't out loud, but I was talking to my wife and I was just I was cussing and I was like, this is all expletive, expletive i'm gonna prove that this is wrong and that was the pride and god just going dude try it and (laughs) and and being an achiever right being an action-oriented person i started consuming books and i was like wow i that one's too deep i'm not going to be able to get on that and god was like just inching me closer and the bible the bible studies were huge for me because they just it's crazy to see how many of the old Testament stories point to the new and the new points back to the old. And it has this like quality that then is this like climactic event of like Jesus dying. And it's like, Oh, this is crazy. Our lives are at an end. And then he raises from the dead. Right. And you're like, Whoa. And then all of the stuff, if you look you unpack the three years of his life, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so all of that, Um, you know, my pride kind of pushed me in that direction to uh, start learning and just simple concepts like St. Thomas Aquinas' law of the first mover. Where did everything come from? Who put this in motion? Like, that's not like, yes. Okay. Let's say the big bang theory is a, is a, it's a theory, but who, where did the molecules come from that ran into each other? Who pushed them? Just simple things like that, you know, that I was trying to get in my mind, but back to my wife, you know, standing there, with me the whole time, uh, not nagging me and it's been years, and it was about, we're almost two years ago now. Um, about two years ago, I had, um, you could term it a bunch of different things like a, a reversion to Christianity, a, uh, encounter with Christ, a whatever. And that I remember that day. And I, we did, um, a, in the men's group that I was in, we did what's called a Exodus ninety. Um, I don't know if that's a Catholic thing, but it, there's very similar um, things that guys do. Where you you don't look at social media, you don't watch sports, you don't yeah. drink alcohol, you take cold showers, you exercise every day. Um, mm-hmm. And it was and it was ninety days. So we started it and it ended on Christmas Eve. So Christmas morning we woke up and it was over. And, and those ninety days of just. You know, we would do a a holy hour every morning. So praying and reading every morning and then exercise and like I it wasn't any these are all first world uh you know problems that we have, right? Like no eating any sweets or treats, fasting every day. Um and you look at all that, and if if I told you one of the things, you'd be like, Oh, that's not a big deal. But it was after about 65 days, it just is it was I'm like, I just want to go back to my lazy, yeah, <laughs> lazy, comfortable. <laughs> not lazy. I'm not a lazy person, but like a. I just want to go back to my comfort. Comfort, yeah. My little creature comforts, right? And so after that is where it kind of exploded. But the point being, my wife always stood by me. It it wasn't fixed overnight. Um, she would go to counseling sessions with me as well, which were also painful because I would learn about how how I was not nailing it and I was not being the person I needed to be that Jesus wanted me to be. Yeah. Um, but, um, I think it's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me.
0: I heard that's, I love that. She was faithful. She prayed behind the scenes, as you said, and she didn't nag you. And right there, we just, I mean, there's a formula right there for a lot of the listeners of how do I, how do I be faithful to my husband who's not being faithful or who's not getting it or who's just a knucklehead or, um, pride. Yeah. Big word. Scripture is very, very, um, open about, um, that being our downfall. And so, and then you, what you've done is you, cause the single seat wisdom, a single seat uh, mindset, did that come from prior to the last two years, even? Is that right?
1: No, no. then that okay. all grew after that. Okay.
0: So then this has become you using what you know, your world, and then all those around you pulling in their wisdom to say, because I I look forward to my sons reading this book, my two teenage sons. And and what, how can they see, maybe even go in that direction, but also see that they can achieve some great things, but they have to actually set their mind towards it. And where is God calling you? Like, where does God want to use you? You got married thinking, well, check that box, in a sense, yeah, <laughs> and then not realizing that God was putting a person in your life that's going to actually help mold you. And then those kids come, and boy, do they shape us. Because um, I love, because you've you've even said earlier that even the proceeds to this book, these books, are all going straight to cancer research, and and a big part of that is your hard to not make it be about money about more success in that sense the the way we define it in in the world in america for for sure but this is about much bigger than you
1: Yep, and it's it's um it's even more than cancer research it's 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 actually not cancer research it's a children's um cancer nonprofit. So hey, great. The funds are directly helping people that have children going through cancer treatments. Right. Oh, and so you want to talk oh. about, um, yeah, you want to talk about giving your life some significance or some purpose. And, you know, this last weekend I went up to, um, one of their golf tournaments and the foundation during that golf tournament, it was the biggest turnout they've ever had. And they, they kept over a quarter million dollars worth of, funds being raised from 40 tables. Wow, 40 tables showed wow. up. We, we all played nine holes of golf. We came back and, and there were even families there with kids that are going through treatment and to, to see that, you know, it, it just, man, it's, it gives you a lot yeah, of purpose and it's, impact. yeah. And yeah. so now you, now you have, you've, you've achieved things in your life, right? It didn't happen overnight. You've, you are successful, but then the, the the next step after that that we're not taught a whole lot is well, what sign? Because people want to have some sort of significance mm-hmm. in their lives, and the people that think that that's not worthwhile are stuck in a victim mentality, and or they're they're being their own villains, right? They're they're popping back and forth between victim and villain, right? And they're trying to bring other people down. Yep. Um, and it's because they have a really, I don't believe in fate. I believe you can write your own story and you can, you can chart your path and and get after it. And yeah, if you're worried about fear of failure and falling and not getting up, well then maybe don't start and see how it works out for you. It doesn't work very well.
0: <laughs> when the, the wisdom from fighter pilots of all the different professions out there, you know, careers, yeah. what an incredible, like the tools of, of, something so intense because obviously for us for normal people who aren't in that world um, our only uh, construct of that is movies we can imagine the stress on the body the stress on the mind the stress on relationships marriages and what's happened for you is also a reset towards towards your wife and towards your kids that actually changes who you are and changes how you show up at work like it changes the whole system
1: yeah and i, I would say that you t- to add on to that is um i actually am am a, uh, a probably a better instructor once mm-hmm. that all happened right because then you're not i don't know it just cues you into those other subtleties in life that are are you know the, the human connection and giving back and it's and when you when you root it in something that is is you know maybe altruistic but it does give you purpose mm-hmm. that just drives your whole day, your intentionality throughout your day. is just it's just flopped on its head from what it used to be. and here's the here's another painful part of that is that when you go through that, people don't don't uh, like it because they want the old you. Yep. Even if it was a bad version of you, they're now like, "What in the heck is going on with this guy? Like, are you losing your mind? And it's and so you're gonna lose um like I did, unfortunately. And, and part of it was my doing I'll, I'll uh, except, um, I'll take ownership for that. You know, I, I, as you go through that growth and that change, I, you're going to mess things up during that because you're, uh, I, I kind of like, if I read the new Testament and if you've watched the series, uh, chosen, mm-hmm. um, so the gut, the character that I disliked the most was St. Peter, um. And after the second or third episode, I had this, like, I was sitting there one night and I was like, ah, crap, I'm St. Peter (laughs) and I was like, why do I just want to punch this guy, but hug him? And I'm like, dude, cause that's me. Yeah. And, and he's a fighter. Right. And, and the thing that's cool about that is if you have the right coach or the guide Mm -hmm. and they see that fire in you, look what Jesus did with St. Peter. Exactly. Right. He just vectored him in the right, he vectored him in the right way. And he's like, he's like, you know, you're, you're a pit bull and I can work with that. (laughs) And, uh, and the rest is history, right? Like he, what, he was the first Pope of the church or yeah. So anyways, but like, it's, it's kind of cool to see, um, if you have your purpose and you're, you're grounded, um, and I would say in, you know, Christian spirituality, not free floating spirituality. Um, but you have those those guideposts um man it is it's powerful and the the concept that um i kind of borrowed this idea from another person but you know it it, it kind of goes from freedom to like there's this idea of freedom i want to be free Mm -hmm. well you're free from government tyranny you're free from all this stuff but what is it free for right so there's that concept of what is it free for and then there's this idea of well i'm a spiritual person well we know that we're all spiritual people but who gets to tell you the framework of that spirituality who who gave who gives you the confines like what does that actually mean and christian spirituality being free for something and then rooting that in christian spirituality that gives you a lot of um you know, accelerated acceleration. And if you, if you choose, like I could just choose not to buckle into the ejection seat of the jet mm-hmm. and then the jet breaks around me and I have to eject out of the jet. And if I don't have my seatbelt on, I'm not strapped in, I'm going to be really free, free falling, like Tom yeah. Petty would say, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to be free falling, but then I'm going to, I'm going to meet that very, very, uh, rough reality, which is death when I hit the ground, because mm-hmm. I don't have my parachute strapped on correctly. And Well, I was free, but it was not free for the right thing. Love that picture. Yeah. There is like a little bit of, you know, we do need some confines. We do need a construct. And if you look at history, um, our broken humanity and broken history, if man is defining that construct, it doesn't work. It breaks every single time. Maybe it started out on the right foot, but then somebody will come along and they'll mess it up because we're humans.
0: Yeah.
1: But if, but if you look at Jesus, like the Bible. Right. Mm -hmm. If you look at the Bible and like Jesus, uh, those stories all came true and he did what he said and he wrapped it all up in three years. Um, so that, that was kind of the, the cool, powerful piece to just kind of understanding like, well, what am I now that I'm free, whether that's financially free or whatever, well, what's it for? And then how do I root that in something that is, um, you know, how do I, how do I take action and know that this will, this matters because people want to know that they matter.
0: That's what the free for. I like, I like that. Cause um so many right now are free as in I can sleep with whoever I want. I can yeah. open marriage. I want polyamorous relationships. I want kill my child, kill my baby. I mean, it's scary freedom. We need parameters yep. and it's getting scarier how those are almost seen as oppressive when it's like, no, let's go back to scripture. It, scripture is very yeah. clear one man one woman that that's the ideal that children need a, a mother and father even just there's something beautiful about the raising of kids in that context and that no you can't do this so w- one of the things that made me think about just a minute ago was um you you said and you said you take ownership of this i guess partly but were, there are people there are people that rejected you maybe during that season because you were struggling but t- did some go I don't like change and th- and because you're changing I'm distancing myself from you
1: yeah and it wasn't really a, a distancing it was like a radical like just cut the arm off oh, I'm done great. with this Ooh. and that's tough if you're not yes. if you're not um you know people and there's there's different levels of friendship right like there's there's guys that you maybe drink a beer with or or friends that you go see a movie with or whatever. Right. And those right. are like, I don't know if that's, if it's a type of friendship is not deep, but the friends that, um, that stuck yeah. and that are part of my men's group and that we still are great friends with deep, deep friendships are the ones that, um, and I struggled this because I'm prideful for so many years is I want what's best for you. yes, Right. Being I right. want what's best for you. And I think that you are better than me. And so th- those are the friendships th- those are the deep ones that stuck where it's like wow dude you bring a lot to the table and you're like a really good person and i think that you're better than me and i want what's best for you so like let me know how to help yeah. and you know that that is what's what stuck around and the other relationships um call them betrayal or 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 whatever right and my be- because of my personality as i was learning these things and i had a lot of my old habits and old me was following me into this. Okay. And it was, I'd use the word violent, um, because, um, a lot of times it was kind of violent how things happened. Mm-hmm. A relationship would violently fracture apart. Uh-huh. Um, you know, just, and it was, it was violent and it shocks you, right? Cause you, you don't normally experience those kind of things. Um, but after it happened and I saw it, you know, it's like the third time it took me like two days to get over it. And then I was like, what can I learn from that And yes it was painful yes that was a life a, literally a lifetime relationship that just dissolved within an hour and and how do I deal with that and then well here's what you do you pick yourself up um, I went back and was like I can't live with I can't shoulder this um, I can't shoulder this I can't carry this around it's gonna give me. Uh, a lot of problems in my life. And so I'm asking for forgiveness. I know that I stepped out of line. This is not me trying to like be friends again, but I just want you to know that I'm asking for forgiveness and you can give me forgiveness or not, but I'm gonna ask for it because I gotta offload that. And that actually, so after the third instance, I was mountain biking um, in the desert because we live in Phoenix and I was up kind of in the hills And about the halfway mark, I turned around and I thought I was having a heart attack. And I was was off my bike, I was on the ground and I was just like on all fours and I could hear my heart beating in my ears. And then I was like, you know, pain in the chest. I was like, man, am I having a heart attack right now? I'm gonna die. This is it. I'm dying in the desert. Nobody's gonna know. It was out in the middle of nowhere. And um, at that time, I had not forgiven certain people in my life. I was carrying that with me. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I was like, oh, I didn't forgive that person. Oh, I didn't ask for forgiveness from that person. Oh, I didn't. And I started going through this laundry list of relationships that were, are, that doesn't fix it, but that was a start. Boom. Heart, like the feeling of having a heart attack over, I biked home. And that was my whole task that day was to just reach out to people and go, Hey, when I did this, that was wrong. I take ownership for that. Please forgive me. If you need for forgiveness, I'll give you forgiveness for whatever you want. I gotta, I gotta offload this. I like, I feel like I'm gonna die. <laughs> so, wow. that was. Um, but that didn't happen overnight, right? And then the, you know, most people just want to run from pain. We don't want to be in pain, right? And so true. but pain is is a good teacher if you listen to it. Yes, exactly. You, you know, listen to yeah, it. yeah, yeah.
0: Pain is a revealer. It reveals. Literally, I like that even the imagery of your mountain biking and then the heart. Yeah. Oh yeah. Glad it wasn't yep. and, actually and, a heart
1: attack. But. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It was and it was it was crazy how just in speaking of mindset, mm-hmm. I was like, what is going on in my head right now? And I, I when I bike, I don't listen, I don't put in earbuds anymore. I don't listen to books or anything because that is um when you find uh your activity and you're in motion and your brain starts doing that whatever like everybody's got their own different thing whether that's kayaking or fly fishing or hiking being outside whatever there's an activity where you're um kind of maybe zoned out a little bit yep. and you're in this all like different world that's biking for me and so that's where when i was mountain biking that's where i came up with single seat mindset that's where i came up with the idea of this book and then And now I'm mountain biking, I'm having a heart attack. And I'm like, is this good for me? Like, and it wasn't a heart attack at all. It was just me going, what is this pain teaching me right now? And what the heck is going on in my mind? And granted years before that I had fallen apart. So at this point I was a little bit more, um, self-aware. Yeah. A little bit more self-aware, you know, I still have a long way to go, but just to go, wait, what am I doing? That's causing this. And that's a, that's a big change, right? And, and people aren't used to the old me, right? And so, I don't know, as you, as you go into that, don't, don't fear uh, what, may, what may stop you from actually breaking down and going through that pain is the fear that you're like, well, I just can't let go. I need my paycheck and I need my car and I need it. And I'm like, well, no, you don't. You I'm want afraid, it. Yeah, afraid to confront my spouse
0: on something or I'm afraid to reveal something to my spouse and tell them the truth. And that fear just spirals you and yeah. spirals you into darkness. And Satan, yeah. what does Satan want? He wants you in the darkness. He wants secrets. He wants you to fall apart. Yeah. Doesn't want you to be. He wants you to feel alone. Yeah, wants you to feel alone. To not be about something yeah. bigger than yourself. Yeah. yeah, my I used to have a motorcycle that had speakers on it. I've ridden motorcycles my whole life, adult life. Um, So my Harley that I have now, I purposely bought it with no speakers, just stripped down. <laughs> Because of that, I want to be able to, I used to listen to podcasts, but it was like I lost the space in solitude. That solitude is a space where your brain rests and your brain, that's where great ideas come up. That's where neat things happen. But in our world right now with these dumb phones in our pocket, we (laughs) never are off. Like it's always here. It's constant. And there's always, I hate it when I look at the college students and their earbuds in their ears all the time. It's like yeah. they can't handle silence. Um, and it's just yeah. go, go, go. Uh, the uh, Digital Minimalism, uh, Cal Newport, yeah. great book. Yeah. Um, yeah, Talks about how we've, it's like he discovered something new and it's like, oh, it's not new. And it's that word solitude that when we listen yeah. to like five co- podcasts in a row, we don't remember them. They just kind of pile yeah. on each other and fade away versus pausing between and kind of meditating yeah. on what we heard that's what gets us into our short-term memory, into our long-term memory, and actually does something and impacts
1: us. We need to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually, uh, I'm glad you wrapped that up because that's uh, where I started, mm-hmm. Even you know, even before all of these painful things. Um, but after I had gone through the crash or whatever you want to call it, as I'm picking myself back up. Yeah. I would wake up, I would go to bed early. That's what started most of it is I would go to bed cause I could control that time. We could get the kids down to sleep and I'd go to bed. So I would get, I would get good sleep. And then I wouldn't stay up and have a, uh, you know, a shot of whiskey and I wouldn't watch a show and I wouldn't mm-hmm. uh, surf the internet and I wouldn't look at social media. And, and then I would wake up the next morning and be refreshed and the kids <laughs> would still be asleep. And God forbid, we actually have some silence Right, which even in our culture, when I started doing that, I felt selfish. I'm like, oh, I like ugh. my wife doesn't get silence, or like, I don't, I don't know. I was just trying to like compare myself, and I'm like, no. If you want to call it being selfish, do it. You need to do it. And so I was like, all right, I'm gonna hit this hard. Uh, I'm gonna do 15 minutes of silence. Just guess how how long I lasted. Not very long. <laughs> 37 seconds. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I could not sit still. And so even now, five minutes for me is an eternity, Mm -hmm. but just sitting there for five minutes. And so here's actually what helped me for those, for those listening, they're like, man, that's me. I have a hard time sitting still, um, put a pen and paper right next to you. And, um, if something comes to mind where it's bugging, you just write it down. It'll, it'll just go out of your mind. Offload it offload it offload it all onto that paper. Most of it won't even matter. Um, And it was, somebody gave me the analogy of sitting, um, what do they say, sit on the park bench and watch the traffic go by, but don't direct the traffic. So just, and that's that's hard, you know, it's easy to visualize, right? But don't go out in the street and stop a truck, don't divert like the race car into your garage, like don't do any of that, just watch it all. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that if you are an action taker and you've got all these ideas and it never stops, right? And the more you do, the more good ideas you get, and the more you have to say no to stuff, but offloading it onto that pad of paper and then just sitting there and just refocusing. And if you're if you're praying during that time or you're trying to talk to God or whatever and you get distracted, you know, maybe maybe the devil or whatever's trying to like poke you a little bit to get you discouraged because now you're supposed to be praying, but now you're you're nope. not, because you're focusing yes. on worldly things and you're like, no, 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 it's fine. Like just push that aside and just start again. Yep. And and I think it was um I think it was St. Teresa of Avila, she said that desolation, right? So you, you feel desolate, you feel like God isn't helping you, you feel kind of abandoned. And it's this idea that um, God just wants you to show up to pray. And that's, that's where you start. And even if you don't, and in, in, in our culture, I wanna feel something, I didn't feel anything. And it's like, well, you, you prayed, you spent some time with God, and at the end of your life, you've been talking to him your whole life, maybe he's been quieter than he is to most, but you have you have a conversation. You have a relationship. And I think there's something that says something along the lines of, like, be gone from me. I never knew you, right? I don't know if that's the correct quotation. But if you never talk to God, yeah, and you did.
0: don't have this. You don't have the relationship. He's going to be. We we don't want to act like it, but we will be going to hell. And he's yeah. saying, no, good and faithful servant. Yep. Yeah, that's a beautiful. Come this way. Um, yeah. Yep. Come in. And. Yeah. That's what we want. And yeah. I think of all those individuals, even fighter pilots who actually have done incredible things. I think even just different individuals in the military, they've done great things, but for what purpose? And in the end yeah. they are, they feel purposeless. Think yeah. of all the vets who are actually totally mistreated in our country because of yeah. lack of care because they've lost their way. And it's like that purpose and having a bigger picture for yourself is what matters. Which yeah, even it doesn't have to be something bigger like can't kids in cancer. That's great. It's beautiful. Yeah. Sometimes it's your wife, your kids. Yeah. Um, but even doing you know leading, you're you're teaching. It's not like when you go to work, you're teaching something like I'm going to teach you a skill like welding or. <laughs> this yeah. is a little higher stakes in terms of mistakes means dead. Yeah. So again, that's blows my mind personally because it's you know not a world i'm in but
1: yeah um the responsibility is incredible the the veteran piece of that i'm I'm also glad you brought that up because um there's as as i so i call it a death from a thousand paper cuts right there was a bunch Mm -hmm. of things that were adding up to when you then crash and you crash and burn and you're you're trying to pick yourself back up but you can't or whatever and then you're turning you know the doctors are giving you drugs that are covering up what you <sighs> you should be addressing yeah. um you know so you have all of these things that are preventing you from like addressing the actual pain yes. and going through that and i'm not saying that drugs can't be a part of that that they're scaffolding you got to take the scaffolding down at some po- at some point
0: great picture of that. right of that so
1: like it, as you're building your house back up you gotta at some point you can't have that scaffolding after your whole life and be on drugs and be Constantly under repair, like you—you got to get get moving forward. But from the veteran standpoint of it, um, you know, part of the reason why I started to uh, kind of—I wasn't crazy or anything. Like I was operating my day right, but I just was having these (laughs) these thoughts, and I'm just like, "Where is that all coming from?" And like getting that out in the open. And one of them was, you know, I had I had deployed several times, and I'd been around the world, and I had, you know, see people die, and unfortunately. in my line of business uh you know you have to kill people um because that's part of the job right and define it as defending freedom or whatever you want but then at some point our whole nation uh nation's youth from 18 to 24 years old is shouldered with all of this uh war atrocities right and um And at that age, especially if you're male, you're still going through a lot of, um, development, right? Mm -hmm. All the way up until you're probably 25. And sometimes like in our culture, maybe you never fully develop.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but so you, you know, I had, I had that. And then part of it was me questioning myself, like, did I was, what is what I'm doing? Does that matter? And then what I did do was that for the right reason. Yeah. And, um, so uh, Apollo Taylor in that single seat wisdom chapter one, uh, he leads the men's group that I'm in, um, his stories about, um, cross check and, and, you know, you can read it and it's, it's great. But what he said was, Oh man, it, it helped so much. And this was years after I'd already kind of like gotten back on my feet, but he said, you can be a just soldier in an unjust war. And I'm not implying these are, these are my own thoughts. These aren't thoughts of like the the department of defense or the military so it's just a disclaimer up front mm-hmm. but that really helped because if your mind starts going down the track of well was i x y and z well um we don't blindly follow orders that's where we have to question and, and make sure we're doing the right things for the right things but it is the war is the whole thing is that a just war mm-hmm. is it are we doing this over politics or money or oil or whatever well outside of all that what was I doing, was I doing, am I a just person, me? And was I doing, was I acting on the information that I knew at the time, even though it may be wrong now, which I'm not saying that in my case, but your mind gets stuck in this loop. Right. And that was a big thing to understand as a, as a veteran. And, you know, if there are vets listening to this, it's you, you can have that past, right. Um, but that doesn't need to be part of your future. You don't have to You don't have to shoulder all that burden you can for a while but you need to figure out how to start shedding that because that's a heavy 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 load it'll crush you that one thing will crush you and then you have uh you're shouldering it and then life hits you with something else a death in the family a broken relationship uh you lose your business you break your leg whatever and now you've been shouldering that and you add more to it and that rucksack is too heavy uh anymore you just crumble to the ground one of the
0: the guys that i follow and have taught uh, used a lot of his stuff he teaches is michael vega um okay or um navy seal i believe and so he comes back from from all the missions that he's done and basically is drugged up to high heaven and he's like i feel like they just want to kill us and take us out like he was very vocal about that and how he then and he got into other spiritual things. I don't think he knows Christ. I think he's still searching, but he um, has uses treatment protocols. Um, I think it's called Vital Warriors, his website, but it's, he um, uses all these things. I've actually been teaching for 18 years in my trauma classes. That's really <laughs> nice to see that he's actually helping people and helping people of all walks of life kind of get back and, and do great things it's so amazing how many have lost their way and they're just right around mm-hmm. us. They're living in, you know, down the street from us. Yeah. They're in, the, in a study with us and they really want yeah. to do great things. They want to be something that's, that's great, but they've lost Which your single seat mindset and single seat wisdom is very much saying, Hey, there is a path. Um, sure. there is, there's wisdom here and you can follow this. And I love that you said that when you, had a coach you had some direction when you didn't that's when you actually floundered a little you you weren't stopping you're still going to (laughs) do yeah Uh, which some stop and they sit on the couch and they're not going to do anything but um, we need to be moving towards something and what is it what's that purpose loving your spouse loving your kids um, doing whatever it is you do for a living to the best of your ability whether you like it or not or change it yeah
1: yeah. And that, that coach that, uh, hasn't broken my trust and always stood by my side is Jesus. Right. And he's not the thing that, so here's an impactful piece. Cause I had a hard time connecting, uh, with that, uh, with Jesus, right. I had a hard time connecting with that as I was going through all this, because one, it was never there in my life. Granted, you know, you grow up and process the world in your own way, but The piece of it was Jesus had been cheapened to be like this soft, loving, liberal, uh, he loves everybody unconditionally. And it couldn't have been further from the truth. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, he was a carpenter. And if you can envision like a, you know, a bunch of two by sixes glued together, a glue lamb, like he and St. Joseph were lifting those things to build stuff. Right. So not only was he jacked and strong, (laughs) um, if you read the story about him cracking the whip through the temple and and I've seen granted I haven't walked through the temple unfortunately but I've been you know at the baptism site in at the Jordan River and I've seen up into the hills um, and it's just a fantastic experience you know standing on Mount Nebo where you know Moses supposedly died and and just seeing the Holy Land and seeing that from like a biblical perspective and then seeing it also from like a jet perspective I've seen the whole I've seen, you know, unfortunately dropped bombs in like the city of Ur, uh, you know, in that area, right? Mm-hmm. So think like Fallujah and, and all that stuff um, and seeing where like Abram originated and then became Abraham and how his call sign, the what father of multitudes is like, my call sign the slice is just, it's this cheap like thing compared <laughs> to like, oh dude, you're the father of multitudes. Like that's a pretty legit call sign, right? um (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but then just like envisioning jesus who is who's strong and um he's meek so he's humble but then he's just cracking this bullwhip and he's flipping tables over in the in the and he's like get out of here you whatever you brood of vipers or whatever he's saying right like and that really connected me with him because i'm like i can follow a dude like that because he's strong um his character is strong. He's humble. Uh, well, he's God, which is something that a lot of us overlook. Right. But, um, and then, you know, the other night I was talking to my kids, I was like, okay, so Jesus carried this huge piece of wood, like a log up to the, up to the top of this mountain after being beat to death with thorns in his, in his nugget, haven't had a drink of water or food, been going through this his whole day, and then he walks through the whole city, climbs a mountain, and then is still alive. While they're, I'm like, I was like, if I got hit by a whip one time, I'd be out. Yeah. <laughs> <I was laughs> like, so putting it in context for a man, right? Because there's so many men nowadays that were either broken families, uh, you know, their dad, like me, unfortunately, led a life where dad is there and he's financially providing, but he's not there. I'm not present. Yeah. Um, you grow up without a father figure and you have a hard time connecting with somebody you've never met. And then it's Jesus. And it's this, it's this, you know, women explain it and women connect with it in a different way, I think. And I'm overgeneralizing the the sexes here of which there are two male and female, um, <laughs> yep. but from a man's standpoint, I want to, I want a dude that. I can follow and go, that guy's yeah. jacked. I know we're going to mission accomplish with him. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can follow that. It's, you know, it's it's that strong, buff dude out in front that, um, you know, is just like, this is the, this is the way, you know?
0: <laughs> it was funny that you say all that because it, the exact opposite was for me. When I oh. saw like Passion of the Christ and I saw the visual of him throwing the tables and I'm like, no, because I had bought into growing up as a missionary kid and in the church, the sweet Jesus, this nice, okay, meek that was actually a wuss sad to say but i couldn't get that i could see that and so then when i saw that it's like no to then realize Uh oh "Oh, that yes (laughs) yes we don't want some little you know skinny little leader we want someone who actually (laughs) commands come follow me and these men who worked hard jobs dropped everything and followed him and All of a sudden, it came to a whole new life for me. This was like in seminary, and then, and after, was it so important to actually that picture, especially for men to see to go through this process of God Jesus was not some little like, hey guys, you know, he he was a leader, (laughs) he commanded, yeah. Um, but yet, he had women too that followed him, and there was something about him. And it wasn't this sexual thing, like we turn everything into that. It was, this is a man that I actually want to follow, want to help serve and trust. And I think that says a lot to what we should be um, in all of our different professions and all of our different skills and talents and how God made us, because God used who I am and wired to become a therapist. I've been a shrink for 23 years, Um, sitting with people doing stuff that others couldn't do where sure. others are called to do and build big things that i haven't you know done and so i just think that's a beautiful we need to, pick, to have that yeah. picture of jesus that's one of
1: um huge strengths and and commands yeah 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 so, Love yeah that. Our, our our culture needs that more than ever and dr um dr peter kreeft Kraft? Peter Kreft, I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly, but he did a talk, and what he did is he took C.S. Lewis's Screw Tape letters, and he, um, it's called Winning the Culture War, and it's like I don't know, maybe thirty minute talk, maybe even less than that. But he basically talked like Screw Tape. If you're if you're unfamiliar listening to this, it's the it's the the King of Devils, right? Like he's talking to. Is it screw Tape that's that? I'm maybe mixing up the characters. But anyways, he's training the younger devils how to attack our culture in today's war. So it's called Winning the Culture War. And I actually paused and because I didn't believe it at first. But he said many, if not all, of the things that are wrong in our culture right now are about sex. And not like sex like sleeping around. Like sex like confusion between who we are. Our identity has been just ripped to shreds. Yeah. And you know, one, our identities are not rooted in in Jesus, right? So there's there's the first thing. So outside of that, now we are our youth. Um, all of the big institutions, corporations, schools, colleges, every bit of it is you are whoever you want to be. And that's even more confusing to an already confused generation. And so now you take, there's there's no identity rooted in Jesus. There's no identity rooted in religion because they can't, it's this, tyrannical, like oppressor of their freedom, freedom to be free from, from that oppression, but it then leaves them confused. And then the culture goes, we'll fill that gap for you here. Let's confuse you more. And you can identify as a box of white crackers. If you want to, if you want to today, right. If, if you're a male, if you, God created you as a male, you can identify as a female and you can go become a swimmer and beat the crap out of all the females that are swimming. Right. It's
0: terrible. It's,
1: and so now we're confused. And now you get females feeling dejected because they're like, well, I worked my whole life to get here. And now I'm beat by a dude that's got testosterone that says that she, he, she, whatever. And yeah. so now the confusion, and I, I started thinking of that. And I'm like, okay, let's think about this issue. Is it, is it because people are confused about who they It's, It's a, just a confusion of your basic identity that God made you. That you root your identity in god and then god made man and woman it's never been any different throughout all of mankind (laughs) and you can't say oh i identify as a man if you're a woman and then have a baby because god made you that way (laughs) and then now say men have babies it does not work that way um it was the daily wire so um so ben shapiro yeah i love ben shapiro's Yeah, Ben Shapiro explained it pretty well. He goes, "How do you, how do you explain when we dig up a mummy or we dig up something from the ground? How do you know if it was male or female?" Well, there's this this free floating like all this stuff, right? Like this is the person (laughs) that he's talking about, and he's like, "No, it's at the genetic level. If you're an X and a Y, you're a male. If you're an X and X, you're a female." He's like, genetically in the bones. Like we can find that and go, "That was a female." or that was a male. And it's just it's this confusion, right? But then people are like, "Well, you're attacking me." And I'm like, "No, I'm not attacking you." And it's this idea of, "Well, you're judging me." And I'm like, "I'm not <laughs> judging your soul. I'm definitely not judging your soul. But if you were about to do meth or cocaine, mm-hmm. I would definitely judge that decision, if you yeah. want to call it judging. But if I'm your true friend and I want the what's best for you, I'm going to say, "That's bad." And if they say, "You're judging me," I'll say I am judging this instance right here. Yeah, if you drive 180 miles an hour in your Corvette down the freeway, I'm going to judge that situation. But I'm not judging your soul. Like you get to make these decisions.
0: We've turned it into, but it's my soul, and so
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And discrimination. Like I, I think we should change where anyone who wants to be a fighter pilot can be one because to discriminate against those that should or shouldn't. (laughs) <laughs> like really
1: yeah yeah no we discriminate
0: on purpose actually every company yeah. discriminates who they hire every yeah. we yeah. discriminate who we marry we just don't like with that word has now been hijacked and turned into this horrible no we yeah. want to discriminate as to who we partner with in business we want to discriminate um who we do business with like that's
1: yeah i, I mean partner. so they've twisted our they've twisted our words right just like Yes. Uh, You know, a big book right now, George Orwell's 1984, which <laughs> is just fantastic, but it's the word police, right? It's, well, we're just going to redefine, like, if you listen to Fauci, like, we're just going to redefine what vaccinated means, like, 18 different times. And then the funny thing is that it doesn't matter if you've gotten jabbed or not. We now don't know. Nobody knows. So everybody's just living in constant confusion of, like, and somebody posted something that was, like, um, What's the difference between somebody that's got the vaccine and somebody that hasn't nothing, we're the same because we're both unvaccinated because they keep changing the definition. And if you read like George Orwell's 1984, (laughs) right? All they're doing is they're just redefining the words. So if you don't like the word discrimination, let's just redefine it a different way and we'll say we are choosing who fits this job. Just like God chose me to be a man and lead my family, God chose my wife who has a way more difficult job to be the mom. And oh, by the way, children grow inside of females, which is also I hear uh, incredibly difficult and painful. (laughs) (laughs) So like, it's just so funny is that like, we've been just so confused and people buy into it and then you have a fractured family and then there's no coaches and guides and you just live this existence with no purpose, no meaning. And people wonder why, uh, well, uh, the government didn't send me my check or are they living in this victim mindset? Well, nobody's been there their whole life. It's just a completely broken structure. And it's funny when we got on this topic because I'm guest authoring a chapter in a book and it's, about, um, it's called Single Seat Memories of Generational Chaos. And it's basically starts with me being on my second deployment over Iraq, just looking at the chaos and at the end, it's all of these stories and it's like, how do, how do we make, because I love America. It's the greatest country in the world. Mm-hmm. We have our faults, but I've been to a lot of the other countries and they suck. America's awesome. Yeah. And so I love America, but how do we get America back on sure footing? And I'm not going to spoil like the, the end of the story because people <laughs> will want to read it, yeah. but a lot of it has to deal with discipline mm-hmm. and virtue in individual lives. So we are lacking that. We're lacking the discipline to wake up early. We're lacking the discipline to get after life. Um, We don't have the virtues, like even the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Mm -hmm. right? We're just lacking that as a culture. And when people find that, like myself, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so deep. And it's so helpful. How did I not know about this? And it's been around for thousands of years.
0: (laughs) And I know, as I was flipping through the single seat wisdom yesterday, Uh, Joe slap Goldsworthy his slaps wisdom. You are not entitled
1: to anything you don't earn. And I'm like, (laughs) so we had to slap (laughs) I've known him for a number of years um, and slap Goldsworthy. Uh, In fact, uh, we had a terrible first start. Um, and then we grew into friends after that, but it started with me being a young punk and like screaming at him (laughs) as a fighter pilot. And it wasn't good. And I was way out of line. Um, but when he started writing his chapter, I was reading, I was like, all right, dude. So if we have like a 20, 18, 17 year old kid reading this, um, let's just take a couple of these edges off. Um, (laughs) because, we wanted to go much more aggressive with it, um, but we also need the message to be heard. Right. And that was the message that his grandfather, who was a general way back in the day and also a fighter pilot was you're not entitled to anything that you don't earn. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, this is a concept that came out of, I look at my kids and I'm like, you guys didn't go through the hard stuff that I had to go through growing up. Now, granted, we lived out in the country and, and it was a little bit more hard living, but um, that inspired me to go, I need to pick up my game as a dad, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not putting them in an environment that allows them to push the limits and be outside of an air conditioned home. That's comfortable. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so like, I've even had this talk with, um, Apollo uh, Taylor, the guy that wrote the first chapter in the first volume is how do we push our sons as men and put them in an environment? that like almost kills them but doesn't. No, <laughs> and so no. that they they step out the other side and go, I'm a man, no. I stuck with my team and we did this together. And mm-hmm. it's not a bar mitzvah where you go, oh, you're a man now and you're the soft Jesus and yeah. you just check the box. It's no, you get, you almost died and you made it and you did it as a team and God was right there the whole time and, and then you grow through that, right? And it was incredibly painful. We haven't figured out the, you probably have some, some better ideas than I do, but we haven't figured that out yet. It's it's definitely going to involve um, living out in the wilderness and, and being off grid and being away we, from,
0: we do Boy Scouts. And so it's been awesome to okay. do adventures and stuff. And it's nothing that crazy, but yeah. even just a little bit, we do, it's like, you're uncomfortable, but you actually learn to, and I call it outdoor home ec, like you learn yeah. to clean and, clean and um, take yeah. care of yourself out in the wilderness but like my oldest he turned 16 and he bought his own vehicle and you know we helped with part yes. of it and it's a 1993 jeep brand cherokee that has death <laughs> wobble and we fixed that and he's learning yeah. he just bought a, a power steering reservoir because that, that's leaking after we fix some other like so he's learning to fix <laughs> things and then yeah. he gets up at 6 a.m and goes to a farm job every day so he just ended that this past week and this whole summer he was doing that and that my next kid's is going to be different though. He's not going to probably do yep. the same kind of things. So it's learning that they're all so different Yeah, and it's not a cookie cutter. They all need to do, you know, the farm yep. job or they all need to do the, um, you know, this kind of, some guys are not going to want to fix their cars and never going to learn. I think they need yeah. to, but um, yeah. you know if they don't in the future, but it's skills, we have a mm-hmm. skillless, Uh, young young people today they're skillless they couldn't figure out what to do with a outlet messed up in their house or a leaky toilet you know anything yeah so yeah
1: hey i have a four year degree why aren't you hiring me and it's like well the college the institution that you just pumped um several hundred thousand dollars into they gave you a bunch of knowledge, but they didn't tell you how to practically and effectively apply that knowledge. So you have all of these little knowledge pieces, good Mm -hmm. job, that cost you a lot of money, it set you back four years. So now you're in debt, the banks are gonna come after you, you can't practically apply your knowledge, you feel entitled to a job, and the dude that has a skill, like a, hey, I'm an electrician journeyman, is going to make $60,000 a year. That's $45,000 more than you'll keep because you're going to spend all your money paying your debt. Uh, yeah. And guess what? That dude's going to be a certified electrician at some point. He's going to buy a couple of vans. He's going to hire other people. He's going to start his own business. And guess mm-hmm. what? He'll make 10x what you ever made yep. because you got your sacred college degree. And I'm saying this from a standpoint I have two master's degree and an undergrad, multiple double A's, and all of the civilian. Like flight, So I've been through a, a decent amount of schools. I've been through like three or four different military schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the where the rubber hits the road is where you take those concepts. We can't sit in church and go, oh, those are some really cool concepts, and then just walk out and not put those into action, right? right? It's the action that is where you learn. So granted, those concepts are important, but if you're not practically applying them in your life, how do you learn? And it's the same thing with our boys is that, you know, my, my boy loves it. Thank God. He's very much a boy and loves to like <laughs> shoot it. He'll just sit there and shoot his BB gun for like two hours. Nice. He'll burn sticks and nice. uh, just do boy stuff and just be a complete disaster. When it's time to go to bed, like when we're camping off grid and he's crawling into bed, he looks like just a ball of mud and he is spent. <laughs> yes. Right. And that <laughs> is important. Right. So those but... little steps, right. And And it just makes me laugh because I'm like, like you're saying, what, what are they going to grow up? Like what skills are they going to have? God gives different talents for everybody, but exploring those talents, opening that, you know, laying the groundwork as a parent to go, Hey, here are some avenues for you to explore and learn what you're good at, what you're not good at. Um, and then to put those, put it into action. I teach
0: teach at a university and Corbin university and Salem, Oregon. And, um, uh, we, I changed the degree to where across the country, most degrees are psychology, which to me is the okay. a complete waste of time, really. Okay. So ours is a counseling psychology. And my, huh. my heart is, if you graduate from here and you go get no more education, you will beat out people who have higher degrees because you have the skills to do the work and to serve people, huh. to love people from biblically, but also practically. Sure. And, 18 years doing this, that's what we see is our students have gone out and beat out people for jobs. Wow. They're boots on the ground in ministry and counseling. They go get their master's. It's easy. They fly through that. I love education, but you're exactly right. A degree in gender studies or a degree in... Oh,
1: gosh, don't get me started.
0: Yeah, I know. Open another can of worms. But like we have these degrees and these skill is still... And the way you said that was like and you just wasted four years and in debt yeah what's your purpose what's the bigger vision for why yep. you're doing this my bachelor's is in music <laughs> to completely sure. but it got <laughs> me into the next one which then sure. redeemed myself there but yeah uh, yeah education's yep. great and i i still don't stop learning you probably don't either we study it yeah, same piles of books right here and um yep. I love learning but it's different when it's for a purpose. It's a bigger sure. vision.
1: Yep. Oh, these are cool ideas. Well, what are you going to do with all those ideas? Right? So, you're yeah. learning to learn. You're learning to learn and then as you put it into action, you're learning that those actions and you're relearning and you're refining and you're putting it into action. Yep. And guess what? It is painful. It's uncomfortable. You'll lose friends. People won't like you. Mm-hmm. Get over it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but and I love the you have a wife who has stuck be- beside you through all your ups and downs and pride and me too. I'm oh, so boy for my bride. Yeah, um, and yeah, I don't, uh, I wouldn't be who I am without the woman that God gave me. She has yeah. changed my life in so many ways, and then the kids, same thing. Uh, we're just a yeah. few steps ahead of you with kids. Ours are in our team. Yeah. 12, 14, yeah. and 16. And um, I call them my experiments because they're not mine. <laughs> um, yeah. I look forward to my boys uh, reading this book yeah. as well, and look forward to your other one coming out for specific yeah. for young people. So,
1: yeah i would uh love to share that with you and if like my great grandma this is her wisdom she said marry somebody that you like talking to because one day that's all you'll have <laughs> and i was like so good. oh wow and i was like a young kid at this point so i was like what are you even you're talking in crick it's like jesus telling a parable you're like what do you <laughs> yes. mean?'" Yeah. but then years later you're like oh yeah. Yeah. yeah and then knowing that like my wife i love talking to her i love just i just love sitting there and just talking about life, whatever it happens to be, whatever comes up, right? And it's practiced and it wasn't, it's robotic at first, but you learn it. And then a lot of people go, what is your, how does your wife, like, what does she do in the business? And people have this idea that I'm like, her business, she's running a business that's way harder than anything, all of mine combined. It's called being a professional mother. And she, you know, she went through school to be an RN and a nurse and all that stuff. And she is staying at home to do the professional mother thing because Yes, we could make more money, but I might not ever see her. And at the end of the day, my kids are going to be in daycare, and, and you know this, that, and the other thing. We'll never see each other. It's like, well, what is this all for? Money? And I was like, I can't, I can't get after that. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I hear that from young, young twenty-year-olds all the time, where they're they come to me and they're like, I, I just want to be a mom and a wife. I'm like, why do you say the word just? Like yeah. we have de- we have demeaned and we have actually shamed women into. Yeah. supposed to want something greater and even that whole 20s to 40s is that birthing time yeah how many have gone and conquered stuff to the point then they look back and go oh shoot i've totally gone past god made your body to do something that we can't do as men there's actually a season for that and it's beautiful motherhood is insanely hard and we need good mothers we need good fathers we need good families that's how we change the country
1: yeah and it's one person at a time one and it's through action it's through that action and your example and it just that example is contagious it spreads and even if you've missed if you're a a woman like i'm like well what would a woman do if she's like 45 and she's like well i missed it adopt some kids there's kids all over the world like let's say you did build a big business you got a ton of money like well, then share that. Share that wealth with kids yep. that maybe never had that chance. Make so I'm in. like, there's even, like, that's the, that's the cool thing is if you are rooted in Christianity, there's always other, you can reframe a, situ, a bad situation, which there are extents to that. But I'm a glass half full kind of guy. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, how do we reframe this and learn from it and move on and grow versus uh, life's over? Nice.
0: Well, this has been an incredible conversation. Love it. Your website is singleseatmindset.com. And you can order, as I did, the Single Seat Wisdom (laughs) book on Amazon, and it got here like in a day. So,
1: (laughs) Yeah, and there's other resources on there, too, that are completely free. You have the ear of right now over 41 fighter pilots. We continue to grow. So if you want a radically different perspective, we're growing at about 20 pilots, 20 fighter pilots a year. That's amazing. Um, yeah and so we got if it's if i can't answer it i have other people that have had like there's an astronaut that wrote a chapter in this next book right so so it's like he can see life from a very radically different (laughs) perspective which is from a different planet
0: yeah that's (laughs) amazing i love it well this has been a great conversation so great to meet you love what you're doing bless you and your family and i look forward to future conversations
1: same same to you thanks dr G. God bless you guys too
0: thanks Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It's been an honor to serve. If you're struggling and in need, Dr. Gilbert provides a free consultation for new clients. Check out his website at healinglives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages touched, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more help and resources, check out Dr. Gilbert's website for books, courses, and more trainings at healinglives.com bless you and your family and all God wants to do in and through you. Remember, your marriage and family are worth fighting for. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert. See you next time.